Today's episode of Beyond the Rut is sponsored by Capshow, which is the ultimate AI content marketer for entrepreneurs who podcast, vlog, or live stream like yours truly. Stay tuned throughout this episode to discover more ways you can use Capshow for your content. For now, let's get straight into the episode. But I love my kids. I want them with me. That's great. If you really love them, teach them how you treat a spouse. You're listening to Beyond the Rut, a podcast about inspiring you to make your own path and live the life you've always dreamed of. Here are your hosts, Sean Albright and Brandon Cunningham. Today we're going to talk about intentional relationships and... I think that obviously the word there is intentional. Relationships are one of the most important things, maybe the most important thing that we have going on in our lives. And sometimes we just kind of float through life without giving it much thought, maybe. Or maybe we have seasons where we put some effort into a relationship. And uh, and then when things start to fall apart, we start questioning, well, what happened? Well, you left it to chance. You left it to just hoping it all works out. So the, the word intentional will really be the, the focus of the of the podcast. So, um, really, I guess to, to start it off, uh, Brandon, what do you, when you think of intentional relationships, I mean, what, what immediately comes to mind for you? I think with, with kids, because I think sometimes we, we act like just being a good person is going to make you a good parent. And, and that's just not true, especially with teenagers. I know yours are younger, but as, as they get older, like mine, you have to go after them to create that relationship and to keep that relationship going. Right. And when, when you're talking about teenagers and, and being intentional, my assumption would be that they probably push you away at certain times. Uh, is that is that accurate? I mean, when you're, you're intentional, you also have to be very aware of what's going to come your way, right? Absolutely. You you have to get past that closed door that's going to happen because a teenager is going to go into his room, close his door, and be on his phone or watch TV or something. And so you've got to go past that door. You can't just say, well, the door's closed, so they don't want to talk to me. Or ask them, hey, how was your day? They're all going to say, okay, even if... <laughs> Yeah, you know, they fine. got shot yesterday. They're, they're still going to say, okay. Yeah. Fine. Well, mine are doing that in kindergarten. How was your day? Fine. Really? What did you do? Uh, I don't know. We played at recess. <laughs> and that's so, key. You've got to ask open-ended questions that the answer is not fine or okay. You know, well, tell me about, you know, your time on the playground with Lisa or did Mike have fun with you today or whatever. Are, are you asking me those questions? I hope you weren't on the playground with Lisa. <laughs> well... Oh, okay. Well, well, never mind then. <laughs> That's another podcast. I, I was going to answer that, but I guess I won't now. Um, okay. So when you're talking about the closed door thing, talk to me a, a little bit about that. Give me some insight for when my kids get a little bit older. What What does that mean? Does that mean, hey, I'm really mad at you and I don't want anyone to bother me? Or does it mean, hey, I'm... I have a little privacy, but I still want you to come in. I mean, what are they What are they saying whenever they seem like they're boxing you out? Well, I think what they're saying is I kind of want my time alone away from either of my brothers and sisters. Of course, we have five, so that was, that was fairly obvious right off the bat. But then you've also got to remember they just spent most of their day in a group of people, either a classroom or a school with several hundred people. So mostly they just want to be alone in the sense that away from others kids other other students other people so when you go into their room and they kind of act like they don't want you there and it's hard to start a conversation sometimes 
But you don't want to go in there and say, hey, I need you to mow the yard. I need you to do the dishes. I need Every time you go in, it can't be just some other kind of command you want to give them because they get that a lot during the day. So right. sometimes just try to join into whatever TV show they're watching or whatever they're doing, sometimes playing games or something like that. But just relax and let the conversation come to you rather than you just speaking. Mm-hmm. You know, that's an interesting point. So I read something the other day, and I can't even remember where it was. It was on uh, Reddit somewhere, and I believe it was under the dad blogs. And a guy was making a point that some of the, the, the people that are now dads in their late 20s, early 30s, back when they were teenagers, they were constantly playing video games. They were real into, like, Star Wars movies and things like that, but they were really into video games specifically. And everybody said, oh, they're going to be the uh, first generation of uh, dads that are basically not involved. And this guy's point was now his children are playing video games and doing all those things. And he has something more in common to talk to his kids about than what his dad did with him. You think that's pretty accurate as far as interaction with kids? I think it's possible that uh, it may just be an excuse for why I played a lot of video games. You never know. But (laughs) I think it's true that what you don't want to do is try to be cool like your kids. You know, don't don't try to be that cool parent. Oh, and you you have succeeded there. I'm probably the best at not being cool whatsoever. (laughs) You know, Uh, I don't know. Somebody said the other day I I wasn't in a meeting and, and one of the people that worked for me said, you know, everybody was wishing you were in there because it's more fun. And I said, I doubt anybody's ever said that before. But uh, I think a lot of parents, you you try to get in there and be cool. Like I, I can play this too. They don't want another friend, and that's what's really important, As especially as a dad, and, and I'm sure it's also true as a mom, but don't try to be their friend. They've only got one parent. Now, they may have step-parents, and that's great, but they only have one mom or dad or one step-mom or one step-dad. Don't try mm-hmm. to be a friend. Be that parent. Right. Yeah, I think that's that's so true because it doesn't mean you got to be a jerk to them, obviously. I mean, you're still loving and, and comforting and all those things. But when you're just trying to be the friend, you won't tell them the things that are, are hard to hear because you want to be liked so much that you want their approval. As soon as, as a parent, you start looking for approval from your child, you have flipped the kind of the response are the roles, I guess, a little bit. And I think that ends up being most of the time a recipe for kids not respecting the parent, probably. Um, and I'm sure there's somebody out there listening saying, my dad's my best friend. That's that's fine when you get to become an adult. But when you're 8 or 14 years old or 15 years old, uh, chances are your best friend should not be your parent. It doesn't mean you don't like hanging around them, but come on. There has to be a level of discipline um, there that is not really possible if you're best buds. I was talking to somebody uh, just a couple of days ago. Their son is 10, and he was saying that he's he's trying to break the habit of saying, come on, buddy, hey, pal, and, and make him a friend because they hang out a lot, that he has one of those jobs where he can just be with him a lot. And I said, yeah, you go from this, you know, buddy, pal, you can be buddies until they're about five or six, and then you have to break that and be a parent full-time. And then maybe at 25 or 30, you can go back to being friends. They need that time of you'll be honest with them, you'll protect them as a parent, but you also will be just completely clear and honest in your 
criticism or your advice or your wisdom. And like you said, if you're looking for approval from your kid, then you're not going to be honest with them. You know, you're hanging out with the wrong crowd or you're taking the wrong classes or you've got the wrong job. You've got to be honest with them and friends don't do that. One other thing that would probably be in there as far as parenting a teenager, so uh, obviously I am not there, so I'm making an assumption here. You're going to have to have those conversations at least once that says, hey, I don't like this kid that you're hanging around. I don't think that he's the he or she's the right person for you to be uh, friends with, that sort of thing. If you're Mr. or Miss Best Friend uh, with your kid, chances are you're interacting and hanging out with them all the time. And that's not necessarily always a bad thing. The interaction is good, but you may lose some objectivity as well because then you're sitting there saying, well, I know he's bad news, but he's kind of a nice guy sometimes or he has these good qualities and you start to defend that person even though you know on as part of a parent that you want to tell your child that that's not the best person for them to be hanging around i think that's true i think it's absolutely true you're going to have that conversation way more than one time if, if you're if you're lucky you have it 10 times and i know there's somebody listening that's thinking well but my kid doesn't hang out with bad people they probably don't hang out with bad people, but they probably will hang out at some point with somebody who's not a positive influence on them. Maybe right. they're not, you know, shooting up the place or doing drugs or something like that, but they're not motivated. They're not disciplined. They're not positive. That's really important that your kid hang out with positive people. Because just last night we were at student ministry and there were some people, a couple of the girls that were a little older than Maddie and her friend who just started this university prep program that's really hard and they were they were being real negative about it and and uh, Maddie's response was, well, it, it's setting us up for a great future. If we finish it and do well in it, it could potentially make college free and, and, and a lot easier. And so teach your kids to respond to negativity with some positive remarks, but also don't discount the fact that they need to be around people that influence them in a positive way. There's plenty of negativity in the world. Make sure your kids are around right. some positive influences. Totally agree. Okay, so we've talked a little bit about why we're even having this conversation, and there's the parenting side of things, and then there's also the marriage side of things. And really, I think that when you look at the the high number of divorce uh, that's out there right now, I think part of it is there was no intentionality in that relationship. And part of that is that, you know, parents start to put all of their focus into their kids or their career, and they, they really make the other spouse a priority. I found this really great article from uh, Marriage Missions, and it'll be in the show notes. And it's it's something talking about the difference between ritual and routine. And their definition of it is that rituals are their interactions that are repeated over and over, but they are they're coordinated and they're significant from an emotional standpoint. Routine is just something that you do all the time, all the time, without any emotional significance. So an example may be we go to dinner every Wednesday night. It's a routine. Or you say, good night, love you. Give each other that little kiss, good night. After a while, there's no significance there, really. I mean, there's no emotional impact. It's just something you go through to go through the motions. So I think it's kind of cool to differentiate between those two because routine, I, I believe, is something that guys probably focus on. Hey, I told you I love you. Okay, right. but you've said that 20 times a day for the last 10 years. It's kind of lost its impact because there's no there's no ritual behind it, meaning you didn't set this up to be emotionally significant to, to have that connection. 
to tie in parenting with your relationship. If you want to be a great parent, be a great husband. Be a great wife. That's how you're a great mom. And you cannot go on date night with your kid. So if you go on date night with your wife or your husband and you bring your kid, that's not date night. That doesn't count. <laughs> right. You have to be intentional because, like you said, we go to dinner every Wednesday night. Yeah, but if the kids come, that's not date night. Work on your, your relationship with your spouse that will make you a great parent. Right. When we moved to uh, Colorado Springs, we did not know a soul up there, but we knew that we needed some time away from the kids. And at the time they were three and five. So you have to get a little creative. They, at that point, they had to go with us. But what we did is we went to Chick-fil-A to where there's that little glass playroom. And they were basically forbidden to come out of that glass playroom until we were done talking. So it wasn't optimal, but it was still time alone. Uh, essentially, we could see them, but we couldn't hear them. And that was uh, that was perfect. And we had to do that for probably a month before we got to know some babysitters and things. So if you're in a situation where the kid has to be present for whatever reason, um, my gosh, find a way to mute them. <laughs> that, that's such a great idea. And I know that it's easy to say, well, if you bring the kids along, it's not date night. But that kind of situation is perfect because it teaches the kids, especially from a dad's standpoint, it teaches the kids, I'm with my wife right now, not your right. mom. So you're going to survive. You're in this little glass bubble at Chick-fil-A. You're not going to die. Nothing's going to happen to you. I'm 10 feet away, but I'm right now with my wife. And that's that relationship is primary. You're secondary. Too many people, and, and I have this conversation constantly with people, but I love my kids. I want them with me. That's great. If you really love them, teach them how you treat a spouse. Your kids need to know. No, when they they have kids, those kids are not the most important thing in the world. It's the relationship because if that doesn't last, you being a great parent is going to be ten times harder. As, right. as somebody who's been divorced, I can tell you that if the kid's the primary focus, the marriage is not going to last. And at some point, the kids are going to move out of their move out of the house and move on with their life, and you're stuck with either a divorce or a spouse that you've not really connected to uh, in fifteen years, and that's a Probably a really tough situation as well. I remember talking on, on your point. I remember, um, Pastor, I heard a sermon a few years ago, and I can't remember who it was specifically, but he was telling a story that the kid was disrespecting, and maybe it was him, actually. Uh, the kid was disrespecting the mom, and the dad came in and set him down and looked at him really sternly and said, don't you ever talk to my wife that way again. And he said that really left a message on his, on his mind that, wow, that's not just mom, that I can you know, talk to however I want. That is dad's wife. And I think that's a an important thing for kids to realize at some point is that's a big deal right there. That's a marriage. That's that's serious. That's a distinction, especially with boys you want to make because they need to understand when they get married, their wife is more important than everybody else on the planet. I had a great thing happen last night when we were leaving uh, church. I opened the back door. Maddie was there with the, uh, her friend and we were giving them a ride home and I opened up the back door to stick my bag in and, and she said thank you and started to get in and then Maddie began to explain that I do that with Renee my wife to always open the door for her always open the door when she gets out and that kind of thing and so the whole conversation became about 
how I do that. And Maddie had noticed that throughout her whole life. And I taught the boys that. And it was really by accident because I was trying to put my bag in. She just got in. So (laughs) I stuck my bag in the trunk and said, oh, well, I won't worry about it. But it was one of those lessons where you can teach a girl and and boys especially that that's supposed to be your most important relationship is with your wife, not uh, the kids. Right. I agree. So so looking at date night, I mean, there's there's Let's throw out a couple of options because I'm sure there's somebody out there going, man, uh, dating is for before you're married. And if that's your view on that, you're wrong. Just uh, rewind that a little bit. You are wrong. (laughs) You have to keep dating your spouse. And by that, that means that's the intentional part of things is you may have to set a... uh, a schedule. Maybe it needs to be every other Wednesday, or maybe it's just we're going to try to get to this once or twice a month. But I recommend weekly. But I know that's not always possible um, for us with two young kids. That's actually incredibly difficult. But nobody said it was supposed to be easy or going to be easy. But that's why you have to be intentional and make it a priority. Is that if you don't, life will take over and you'll never get to it. So pull out your phone, get your calendar up, and somehow plan a day. And you just do that every week or every two weeks or every three weeks. One of the things on there may be having to line up the babysitter. And if you're a guy out there, I know that's not something we normally do, but you may have to take a part in that somehow. Anyway, so from a from a date night standpoint, what's some what's some ideas that you have, Brandon? I think like you said, you know, there's there's mother in laws, there's mothers, there's there's friends. I know that you and Jessica especially have gotten creative with the you know, I'll watch your kids, you watch my kids. You know, hook up with another dad and say, Hey, drop your kids off here, surprise your wife with dinner or something like that, and we'll watch your kids and then in a couple of days you watch mine. Right. Sometimes you, you have to get really, really creative. You don't have to go to the Ritz Carlton and spend three thousand dollars on dinner and a date you can be real creative and say okay but i've got young kids and i don't know anybody i've just moved to colorado springs so what do i do well put the kids to bed at like eight eight thirty and then go into the living room spread out a blanket eat an ice cream sandwich make it date night but explain to the kids what you're doing don't <laughs> don't hide this from your kids tell them say hey mom and dad are going like you said at chick-fil-a we're going to be in the living room watching a movie or whatever and it's just going to be us do not come out of your room to go to the bathroom and tell dad 10 things because this is date night with my wife and that's what i want or pick her up for lunch one afternoon and, and go split a subway sandwich at the park and just yeah. sit in the car and eat together I, I take it that the uh, ice cream sandwich was something that you've done before because if not that was incredibly random <laughs> you know i i gotta be honest whenever we first got married you know neither one of us had any money we were kind of rebuilding our lives in a sense and so a big expensive date night out was you know sometimes splitting a, an ice cream sandwich we would go to mcdonald's and get a couple of ice cream cones and maybe drive around or go down to we live close to the water, and so we would go down to the water and split a Subway sandwich, you know, and and, <laughs> and get real creative. We, yeah. we had date nights that cost every bit of $5 sometimes. Right. But, well, I think that's really important to talk about, though, is date night and going back to that whole ritual versus routine thing. Date night does not have to be dinner in a movie. 
dinner in a movie, dinner in a movie. That's all anybody thinks that date night is. That would probably fall under routine more than ritual because there's probably very little emotional connection with dinner in a movie. They're fun, and, and I'm not saying that shouldn't be an option once in a while, but if you're going to a movie... You're sitting there watching a movie. You're not talking. And if you're going to dinner, eh, yeah, of course, you can talk over conversation, but it also gets more expensive. So there are plenty, and actually probably our better dates have not been very expensive whatsoever. Stay with us. We'll be right back. And now let's talk about how you can use Capshow to repurpose and market your content. If you have a business like me, you can upload your cornerstone long-form content like podcast episodes or YouTube videos, into Capshow, and it will create all your content marketing assets for you. And here's the coolest part. Capshow is more than just a robotic AI tool. It's a powerful blend of artificial and human intelligence designed by marketers to help you organically reach more of the right people on more platforms. Go to beyondtherut.com slash Capshow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day trial and see for yourself. Now, back to the show. Right, and that's what she wants. I know you you talk a lot about a thing called five for five. It, it's just really important to have that FaceTime, you know. Right. We, we as husbands are like, okay, give us all your problems, and I'm going to give you the five solutions. And if right. you're a guy out there listening and, and some – a uh, woman hadn't already told you to stop doing this yet. I'm going to be honest with you. She does not want you to solve her problems. Now, if she specifically <laughs> says, here, Sean, here's a problem. I want you to fix it for me. Other than that, quit trying to solve her problems. Just listen. And sometimes the proper response is, that's terrible. What would you like to, you know, talk about that? You know, how can I help you in that? Or, you know, do right. you want me to just listen? Yeah, you're, you're totally right that, uh, and I think that's something that young couples really struggle with. I know that probably for the, I've been married, uh, 11 years now, and I'd say probably for the first 10, I did that. <laughs> right. Exactly. That's in our nature. <laughs> yeah. It's in our nature. And, and, and you'll go back and forth through it. So date night, a couple of options that, that we've done that were really cheap, that were really fun was literally getting a cup of coffee and going for a walk in a park. Um, very cheap, cost $2 for the coffee. Um, we didn't get the lattes from Starbucks. We literally got a crappy cup of coffee and we went and walked around. Maybe we, one time, uh, she wanted to go to some cupcake shop and we split a cupcake. One, one time we, kind of like you were saying with the movie night, but instead of a movie, we watched our wedding reception, our wedding video. That's kind of fun. We normally do that around anniversary time. That's actually my kid's favorite DVD on the planet, I think. So they've watched it about 2,000 times. So we're kind of sick of watching it, but um, they still love it. So that's great. But um, one of the things that we do is the whole uh, candlelight thing. And we laid on the bed and I surprised her and I got out all of our uh, photo albums, our scrapbooks and all of that. And we just laid there and went through and started talking about memories. And oh my gosh, do you remember this picture? Uh, the kid was so little then, or you look so young back then or whatever. That I was a great vacation. That, <laughs> <laughs> started going back through some of the old vacation pictures and things like that. And honestly, that was probably one of my favorite dates because yeah, I've seen those pictures probably a hundred times, but it, it was just really fun laying there in bed. You know, we had a, a beer or a glass of wine or something, and we're just kind of reminiscing and talking about the good times. And then you start talking about some of the bad times and um, 
really great conversation. And I think you, you really make a connection at a, a really deep emotional level. So I think that's a great, a great idea for somebody out there looking for something cheap because uh, that one's pretty much free. And another uh, thing that you can kind of look at is that mutually enjoyed activity. You know, maybe you both enjoy playing golf or fishing or uh, jogging or you know, bowling or whatever it is, but find something you can both do together it, from working out to, you know, tennis, whatever it is, but find something that you both can enjoy together. And I know right. there's a parent out there going, well, my kid likes to play too. And I understand that. And you can play with <laughs> your kid, but at some point make it just about you and your wife, you know, right. you and your husband. Here's what we're going to do together. Your kid is not going to die if you're not there for a couple of hours once a week. They'll be okay. Those activities like that, it's also not, hey, let's go do the thing that all of my buddies like to do. Let's. My wife loves going to poker night. The guys play poker and the women go and, no, dude, that is not yeah. what we're talking about. We're talking about you and your spouse, not you and your buddies and their spouses or a group date. Those are fine. Those are social interactions. Those are not date nights. Those are not intentional. Um, going to the horse races. Probably, I mean, I guess it could be mutually in, enjoyable if you're chit-chatting and talking, but um, I don't know that there's a emotional connection there. It's a and, good and distinction. Going, Not something I like to do that you come with me, but right. something we both like to do. Right. Something you both truly like to do. Oh, she likes to watch me sing karaoke. No, she doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> she smiles because she's a good person, but she does not enjoy it. And and I think that's a, a good thing to do if you're that marriage where things have gotten out of control or you have lost that connection. You feel distant or, or even angry or frustrated with your spouse. Doing an activity that you both really enjoy is probably the easiest step to start working on your marriage because, again, it's something that you enjoy doing it's not something that you're being forced to do so i would say as a husband too it's really important that you bend a little bit more than her because like well she likes to watch me play golf well she probably does and that might be her thing but bend (laughs) a little bit more towards something she likes to do she likes to work in the garden or she likes to you know work in the flower beds or whatever or something like that will say i'm not crazy about it but i'm going to bend a little bit more towards her because ultimately we're the leaders of the home and that means you pour more into her than she necessarily pours into you. Now, if there's women listening and they're thinking, but he won't do that. Well, kind of bend towards him initially and then say, you know, I really had fun driving the cart while you played golf. Why don't we go do this and push him in that direction to some extent, easily push him in that. Don't nag him into doing it. But we also were very simple creatures. So if you say, this is what I want, it makes it a lot easier for us to get there. One of the things that you mentioned earlier and we kind of didn't really hit on, but that five for five, it's basically having a conversation with your spouse, an uninterrupted conversation. So put your phone down, uh, send the kids out of the room and uh, turn the TV off. But it's it's having a conversation for five minutes within five feet of each other. So you're not yelling across the yard or across the house or downstairs. You're within five feet of them and you're just having that conversation. One thing that is not part of that five for five. And this is really hard for the guy, but you're within five feet of your wife. You're trying to be attentive and intentional. You can't touch her. And I mean, like, don't be getting a a little cop and a feel in there once in a while. I got in trouble for that. I'm just wanting to pass that one. She wasn't your wife, though, so that... 
That was my yeah. wife. Stop doing that. But, but when my wife looked over and saw that, she was not <laughs> happy. No. Um, it, it is. It's really just about being intentional, having a conversation with your wife, and not about, hey, I hope I can feel her up or <laughs> I hope I can be funny or you know that sort of thing. Um, just have a conversation about how their day was, what they're worried about, um, what's going on in their mind, what are they thinking about. And um, kind of like we were saying with the teenagers where they have that closed door, if you ask your wife, what are you thinking about? The first answer is almost always going to be nothing. If after just a couple of years of marriage, you really believe that, you should be punched because I guarantee you they're having at least a hundred thoughts going on <laughs> at one time. So, And if you've just been on the planet for a little bit and don't know that women are not capable of not thinking about things, it's impossible. <laughs> they're not only considering do the sh- kids need new shoes because they're growing out of them, at the same time, does the car need gas? Did I turn in that paper at work that I needed to turn in. They're doing that all at the same time. So they're not capable of thinking of nothing. Okay. So I think we've given everybody quite a few ideas and really the takeaway is that your relationships, specifically your marriage and your uh, parenting uh, relationships, you have to be intentional and you have to do stuff on purpose. That's really what that means. And doing it with the reason of making that a better relationship. So it's not just, oh, I got to do this because it's something I'm supposed to do. No, it's supposed to be something that you're willing to purposely invest in. Everybody has to put on their thinking hats maybe a little bit and come up with some ways to do that. Um, One last kind of resource out there, and we won't really go into it, but it's the book Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. It is an excellent book, and it really talks about pretty much everything we've talked about, but um, one of them is that mutually enjoyed activity. It, It talks all about knowing how you feel loved and how your spouse feels loved, and if they feel loved by romance and you don't, chances are you're not speaking their language and and showing them romance. So again, without going into a whole lot of detail, highly, highly recommend the book. And then, of course, two other things that I highly recommend, of course, are articles that I wrote on my blog. So I'm going to give a little little plug there. But if you go to SeanAlbright.com, there's one called Dads Need to Lead with Their Ears, and it's all about dating your daughter. And then I wrote one about uh, an apathetic marriage, and that was a really popular one as well. So go on on my site and check those out. And um, I'm sure Jerry will put something in the comments or the show notes about Weekend to Remember. And um, so we won't go into that, but that's another great resource for everybody. Any uh, closing remarks, Mr. Cunningham? Well, I would just say, especially Weekend to Remember and, and getting the five love languages, those are things specifically, guys, if you set up and if you go get and you start, those those are huge. Those are those are major investments. That's that's buying Apple stock back in nineteen eighty eight kind of stuff. I mean it will right. pay some huge dividends. The other thing I would say is there's a site called Free Range Kids. And if you're a parent who thinks that your kids are going to die because they touched the floor and you didn't sanitize them right off, this is a great site for reasonable <laughs> parenting. You know, you have to think back to when you were five. Your parents did not sanitize anything you touched because it probably had lead paint on it. And you didn't die. So quit worrying about your kids falling off the face of the earth because you're not the perfect parent. Yeah, your blankets were made out of asbestos in a lead-painted crib. And and you didn't have a cell phone, and your parents somehow (laughs) still kept you in the current state you were in, and you got home okay. Wow, that's amazing. So what's the name of that? Free Range 
free range kids and the lady's name is Lenora something with an S I can't pronounce, but uh, <laughs> it's a book originally free range kids, but there's a website too that has tons of resources. And if you see this stuff on the news and it drives you crazy where the, this kid walked down the road unattended at 10 years old and the parent got arrested, she's the person that goes after all of these really stupid cases of arresting parents for not putting their kids in bubble wrap every minute of the day. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, I'll leave us with a quote that I found that I, again, this is on this uh, marriage missions, and it's actually at the top of this article, and it's by William Doherty, and it says, the main way to resist the forces that pull us apart, the natural drift of marriage over time, and the pull of the consumer culture is to be a couple who carefully cultivates commitment and ways to connect over the years. So um, that really wraps up what we're talking about. It's a bit of a tongue twister, but hopefully that gives you guys some motivation to go out and be intentional in your in your marriage and with your children. And we will talk to you next next week. Have a good week. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Beyond the Rut, as Brandon and Sean share tips on how to intentionally build relationships that thrive outside the rut. Be sure to head over to iTunes to rate, review, and subscribe to our show, then share us with your family and friends. You can also check out the show notes at beyondtherut.com and get a discount off your next Weekend to Remember Marriage Conference. If you want to be a great parent, be a great husband. You know, the best thing I love about Cap Show is that they have one of the best communities ever. As a Cap Showian myself... I always get invited to masterminds with industry leaders to get the insights and marketing strategies that take my business to the next level. Plus, they love surprising and delighting us. Go to beyondtherut.com slash capshow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day free trial with the Capshow team today and join me inside that community.